0: listening to KHOL. This is Jackson Unpacked, our weekly podcast on news, music, and culture in Jackson Hole and the Mountain West. I'm news director Kyle Mackey. We're kicking things off today with an exciting save the date. KHOL is throwing a free concert at Jackson's Center for the Arts on Tuesday, August 24th. Come say hi to the K H L team and enjoy local bands and local brews with Abby Webster, Inland Isle, Roadhouse Brewing Co., and High Point Cider. Again, that's August 24th, starting at 6 p.m. Mark your calendars. We would also really appreciate it if you could take a minute to leave a rating or maybe even a review for Jackson Unpacked on Apple Podcasts. That helps more people find out about the show and supports our team in doing this work. Thanks. Coming up on today's show, a new class of Teton County Search and Rescue volunteers is in the thick of training for backcountry rescues.
1: There's no written test or skills test. They're kind of being evaluated. It's the longest job interview they'll ever have.
0: Plus, local musician Chris Archuleta discusses his new project of punk rock in the shadow of the Tetons.
2: There is a place here for this type of music and like people are open to it. People want to hear it.
0: But first, we turn to a look at what at least one author thinks is the most important force impacting Jackson Hole today, wealth.
1: Hundreds of area residents gathered this week to hear author Justin Farrell discuss his 2020 book, Billionaire Wilderness, The Ultra-Wealthy and the Remaking of the American West. Kei Kyle Mackey spoke to Farrell ahead of his talk and asked several locals what they think about how mind-boggling wealth and extreme inequality are transforming Teton County.
0: With camping chairs and a few picnics in tow, a multi-generational crowd started arriving early for Justin Farrell's talk at the Center for the Arts Outdoor Amphitheater. All curious to hear more about his research on the ultra-wealthy um, of Teton County.
3: I, we've, we both grew up here and have lived here our whole lives, and we've watched the valley at least change from when we were young to now. And Well, I've been also- coming out
4: here for 50 years, and it's so I've witnessed most of the changes that have occurred in Jackson Hole, and uh, I thought the kid probably did a good job of researching his book, and it would be interesting to hear his interviews.
0: That first voice is Hannah Wakeman, a 23-year-old Jackson native. Wakeman came to the talk with her friend Gwen Dawson, who's 22.
3: It's kind of become like pretty unattainable to live here because of the prices of everything. Um, I feel very lucky to be able to come home to like my parents' house and everything, but it doesn't It's not looking super hopeful for my own future here. Do you think that the ultra-wealthy
0: just have too much money?
3: Yeah. (laughs) Nobody needs a billion dollars, guys. (laughs) Yes, I would agree. A billion dollars is too much money.
0: Courtney Vanderweyer also grew up in Wyoming, but now lives in Cambridge, England. She says there's always been wealth in Teton County and for good reason.
3: There's a lot to answer for Wyoming income tax, lack of income tax, and that's why a lot of them are here. And I don't have a negative attitude towards them because I think most people, a lot of people would do the same. Um, I think in terms of an impact, they make the cost of living so high that it's there are certain services that but are
4: gonna be- Because of technology and the dot com stuff, we now have billionaires where we only had multimillionaires. But I don't, I don't know that they're harmful. I, I don't know many of them. They don't bother me.
0: Larry Morgan is a part-time Jackson resident who built his house here 30 years ago. Exactly. He says major changes to the Valley have always been inevitable.
4: Jackson's, you know, it's already gone. It's been gone for a long time, so people should just get used to it. It's not gonna be a charming little mountain town anymore with, you know, local stores. So the valley will continue to fill in, and the character of Jackson will change. So, to escape. As much
0: as some locals might not want to hear it, Morgan's take is similar to some of the conclusions that social scientist, Yale professor, and native Wyomingite Justin Farrell came to over the course of researching and writing Billionaire Wilderness.
5: From what I'm seeing, it's just this train that's kind of going along the tracks, and it's really tough to slow down.
0: So I wanted to just read this quote you have in the book. Um, You say people, both wealthy and non-wealthy and organizations that are genuinely interested in moving beyond the status quo and band-aid solutions should focus on using their money and power to reform policy and build more equitable institutions. So I wondered if you could talk about some of the policy reforms that you discuss in the book and some kind of maybe practical takeaways that folks might want to grasp onto if they're feeling depressed about what you have written.
5: (laughs) Yeah. So I, I, at the end of the book, I have this epilogue and it was really difficult to write because things are changing so quickly. And so I shied away actually of recommending specific policies. And a lot of times academics are not very good at that. And um, so I have these broad recommendations and it starts with first requiring more from the ultra wealthy, and that can happen in lots of different ways. Um, through, you know, a tax on luxury real estate transfers. Um, At the state level, I talk about Wyoming's lack of an income tax, I talk about lack of a corporate tax. And so there's some really easy remedies on paper. But the state of Wyoming is not instituting an income tax anytime soon. The the local government, um, where I was born in Cheyenne, I mean, it's, it's gone further and further to the right. And it's just, even if it's, you know, we're talking about taxing people that to be honest, they don't like in terms of Jackson, Teton County, they don't even really consider it Wyoming. Yet, even still, they're not willing to tax those folks from coming from California or Texas or wherever it is that are not like them, don't really share their values, and are coming to benefit financially from this, this tax shelter that, you know, Wyoming has become. Then I have, you know, as a sociologist, I'm really interested in studying community and what makes a community. And this is a little more mushy, and rather than just saying, you know, institute this policy, or the the town council should do this, or here's how you fix the housing crisis, which is, (laughs) let's not even get into that. Um, But what type of community do you want to be? Who belongs in the community? What gives a community character? And starting at those broad at that broad level with those types of questions that, again, sounds sort of like, okay, well, what's that going to do? And then moving from there with the policy. Um, I don't think that Jackson has really done that, the comp plan and everything. But there's not a lot of room um, or a lot of space, especially for local politicians who are like overworked and you know work part-time and all of that to get up to speed. But also to just get everyone together in the community and say, where are we going? And where do we want to go? And how can we get there?
0: Will you continue to study Teton County?
5: I will. Yep. Yeah, I already have like so many different projects and I have students doing their projects and I have a field course out here where we actually come out here and uh, the students meet with all different stakeholders and learn about different issues with the parks, with the town, everything. Um, And so, yeah, I'll be around for the foreseeable future.
0: Okay, great. Well, Justin Farrell, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us at KJL.
5: Great. Thanks so much.
1: You can also hear an extended version of KHOL's conversation with Justin Farrell on our website, 891khol.org, or as a bonus episode of Jackson Unpacked coming soon.
0: The Teton County Search and Rescue Team is taking on a new class for the first time in six years. Right now, 10 new volunteers are going through a month long training process, learning how to help those in need in almost any backcountry situation. KHOL's Will Walkie tagged along for a recent training and asked some of the new recruits what drove them to join the ranks of one of Jackson Hole's most high-profile and exclusive teams.
1: The Teton County Search and Rescue Hangar off Highway 22 is filled with almost every toy imaginable. Multiple pickup trucks, some with jet boats, attached to the back. All-terrain four-wheelers parked next to snowmobiles and a helipad the next room over. On this Tuesday, though, the Search and Rescue class is learning about something a little more simple. So this is what we use now instead of like a backboard uh, for uh, spinal stabilization, And, and it also just makes it warm. The trainees are getting a crash course in what's called patient packaging. If someone is seriously injured in the backcountry and can't walk out, they might get tied on to this back brace and wheeled out to safety. It might take several days. So then we can add the external lashing from the, the uh, litter. Again, under the arms, over the arms, whatever you decided. The new volunteers gather around Anthony Stevens, training advisor for the team. He says the newbies will keep attending classes like this twice a month until April of next year. They have all the kind of introductory new uh, class training, swift water rescue, um, basic medical. They'll take a full woofer, uh, wilderness first responder course. Uh, They'll get aviation, how to be a good crew member in the ship. At the end of all that instruction, the new recruits will become full volunteer team members on call, ready to drive to the hangar at any moment's notice if they're needed on the Snake, Teton, or Togity Pass, or wherever else someone needs help. There's no written test or skills test. They're kind of being evaluated. It's the longest job interview they'll ever have. The new search and rescue trainees come from a range of backgrounds. Some were born and raised here. Others came for a winter season and never left. Pretty much all of them are badass mountaineers, skiers, and climbers.
3: My name is Lexi Drexel. I'm a physical therapist here.
2: I'm Ian Johnston, um, 30 years old. And uh, for work, I'm a CPA uh, in town for a local accounting firm.
6: My name is Lauren Finero. I'm 29 years old. I've worked um, most recently at the hospital as an EMT tech in the ER and ICU.
1: To get to this point, each trainee went through a months-long interview process that started last winter and whittled 152 applicants down to just 10. Brooke Yeomans, a special education teacher at Coulter Elementary and father of two, has actively applied several times since 2000 when he first moved to Jackson Hole.
4: I guess I just wore him down. They're like, well, we're not going to get rid of this guy, so better bring him on the team and... You know, I think I will be a good teammate. You know, I just, the amount of respect I have for the whole team and and what they do is is pretty profound.
1: Everyone has their own reasons for joining Teton County Search and Rescue, but a common theme emerged for many of the newcomers, helping people on what could be the worst days of their lives.
6: With the skills and with the training I've had, especially the medical training, it just feels like I can kind of give back to the community with this unique skill set that I've honed.
3: Accidents happen in the mountains, and I don't want that to keep people from... Pursuing those adventures and recreations and anything I can do to help with that and be part of that team and community to keep people charging and doing what they love and s- safe.
1: While technical abilities like swiftwater rescue or scaling the grand are critical, management advisor for the team Casey Bess says soft skills and selflessness are actually the most important characteristics of a good search and rescue volunteer. There wasn't a specific skill set. It was, it was primarily people who were gonna be good team players um, who came with a, a diverse background and um, were strong and, and able to learn quickly.
4: Uh, it was some of the main things we were looking for.
1: Back at the training center, adaptability was on full display when a call came in for a drift boat that had tipped over on the Snake River. Bess and Stevens quickly paused training and sprang into action. Suddenly, a relatively quiet morning turned into organized chaos. Start tracking your stuff, and that'll
6: update those coordinates.
1: For the trainees, this was also the first time they watched the team actually assemble for a real call.
6: I watched some you know, instant leadership from many members of the team. You know, their instant commander was established so quickly, some super advanced um, Jet boat skills and knowledge of the river of that section of the snake was there at the building and just watching them divide and conquer and get into the field in that way. I just want to be able to integrate myself as a team member and just start like plugging in and going out on missions.
1: Sadly, the day's rescue ended with a fatality despite a rapid response time from search and rescue. It was a sober reminder for some trainees who say they know it will be hard to respond to tough situations in the places they love to play. But for many new volunteers, bad days in the mountains are exactly what pushed them to join Search and Rescue in the first place.
7: Yeah, basically we were
2: um, out skiing, you know, off Cody Peak one day, uh, just me and a buddy and heard a cry for help across the slope. And uh, we were kind of the first ones that ended up getting there just by happenstance.
3: So I was the one that placed the call and the heli came in. And unfortunately, um, it was a member outside of our party that had a slip and fall from a pretty um, significant height and he did not make it.
4: And um, had a really tragic accident on Mount Moran and lost two of my best friends. Search and rescue was there for me and there for them.
1: Most current volunteers say it takes about four years for new trainees to finally feel fully comfortable in any rescue situation. For the new class of 10, the next few months are just the beginning, and they wouldn't have it any other way. Will Walkie. KHOL News.
0: If you're just joining us, you're listening to Jackson Unpacked from KHOL. I'm News Director Kyle Mackey, and this is our weekly podcast featuring reporting and interviews on news, music, and culture in Jackson Hole and the Mountain West. New episodes of Jackson Unpacked drop every Friday on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. Coming up next, K12 music director Jack Catlin interviews the Jackson-born musician Chris Archuleta about returning to the Tetons and his new project, Box Elder.
7: musician Chris Archuleta grew up in Jackson Hole and has recently returned home to develop his new alternative rock project, Box Elder. Box Elder's debut EP, These Distractions Are Constant, reflects on personal growth, struggles with mental health, and coming to terms with getting older. In advance of some upcoming gigs and work beginning on a full-length LP in October, Chris Archuleta joins us now in the KHOL studio. For a number of years, you were immersed in the DIY scene in Salt Lake City, primarily as the frontman of the band Detour before taking a musical hiatus. Can you tell us about that Salt Lake music scene and what it was like being in the middle of it? I used to hang out at a venue called the Underground and
2: another venue called the Beehive Social Club pretty frequently. And, and they were just like, I mean, DIY punk rock venues. I mean, it was very much like every piece of equipment was handed down and just kind of fell into our hands and we built venues out of it. <laughs> You know, it was, like, a really close-knit community. Everybody, you know, we were always super supportive of each other and, like, constantly trying to, like, get each other booked on other shows. And at that point, we kind of were bringing our friends with us to, like, a lot of these, like, bigger shows and stuff like that. So, and, I mean, we had people doing that for us. So it was very, like, built on the foundation of hanging out with friends and, like, meeting cool people and, like, just develop from there. And what brought you back to the
7: Tetons where you grew up? mental health
2: (laughs) after the band ended um and stuff I mean I was kind of in a spot where it was like I'm not in a band like a couple of my other like really good friends they all moved out of Salt Lake and you know it was just kind of like that feeling of like my job is cool but you know I'm not really doing anything else and uh I talked to my mom and she had me like come home for a weekend and uh you know I had a good time and the whole thing and she just kind of dropped it on me she was like, "Why?" would you not come back? Yeah, it's home, it's comfortable. Right, and then COVID happened and it just kind of, I could find a job here and Mm -hmm. you know I was comfortable and found that stability
7: so I wasn't going to leave. So you've branded Box Elder as punk rock in the shadow of the Tetons. With deep roots in punk, alternative and emo in a big city like Salt Lake, how do you see yourself making a mark here in the local Jackson music scene? I have been
2: touch and go in the music scene here for... A long time there used to be a punk rock band called stay true their guitar player left at one point and they asked me if I wanted to play with them and so I jumped into a project with them and like we played one show at the uh, the ice rink at Snow King and um, that was it and it was fun we had a great time the people loved it like the whole thing and then I moved to Salt Lake there is a place here for this type of music and like people are open to it, people want to hear it, people are willing to come to shows and be a part of it. Because like that's what like punk rock is. Like it's built on community and like that foundation of like love one another and like that camaraderie. And there is that in Jackson. So why couldn't we see like this music come
7: forward? Can you tell us about the concept of your debut EP? These distractions are constant and how it came to be? Um the very first song
2: that I wrote was a song called The Pines. And it's a song about kind of like trying to find the light at the end of your tunnel like I mean I I just turned 30 in April and during that time period of you know going on vacation there was like a lot of things that I wanted to do when I was younger that I had never taken advantage of anything like that and um, you know definitely by 30 I wanted to do a lot more so I'm finally starting to knock out that bucket list and um, with that the Pines was like waking up and like being in the moment and just taking advantage of like what time you have here that kind of sparked a lot more kind of imagery of like noticing that like I have bipolar disorder and like I severe depression and stuff like that, which has really held me back in a lot of different aspects of my life. I think kind of the premise of waking up and like getting a new start was prevalent, but also like these distractions are constant is literally like because the voices in my head are so loud that sometimes like it's hard to see past what's in front of me and like what I'm capable of and kind of letting, you know, what's in your head control your decision making is not an ideal way to live your life. Sonderbomb is another song where it's kind of like trying to like wake me up, like snap me out of the funk that I was in and. That's the why, I mean, you listen to the lyrics and the lyrics are just soul crushing a little bit. <laughs> you been singing them once in a while. I'm like, oh man, what am I doing? And then I like start playing and then that's why they're like a little more overdriven, a little bit more like hyped up. It's because I want the, uh, the message to be there, but I want it to be that kind of like fast paced and like, you know,
7: get you, get you off the couch, get you out of your house mm-hmm. and like doing something productive. You can hear music from Box Elder right here on KHOL during our local music hour. That airs weekdays from 3 to 4 p.m. Make sure to visit 891khol.org for more music, news, and culture. I'm Jack Catlin, and this is KHOL Jackson.
0: Now for the weekly news roundup, here are the headlines you might have missed this week. The acting U.S. attorney for the District of Wyoming announced Monday that a 25-year-old Illinois woman has been charged with one count of willfully remaining, approaching, and photographing wildlife within 100 yards following a grizzly bear encounter in Yellowstone National Park in May. Samantha Daring was identified from video footage that went viral on social media. Daring is also charged with one count of teasing or intentionally disturbing wildlife. She faces up to one year in prison and $10,000 in fines.
1: Wyoming Senator Cynthia Lemmis joined Fox Business Monday to talk about the spending bills currently moving through Congress. A bipartisan group of senators voted to move forward on a hard infrastructure package last week, but neither Lemmis nor her Cowboy State counterpart John Barrasso voted for it. Lummis says she's concerned about government spending on both infrastructure and a second Democratic bill likely to follow in the coming weeks, particularly as it relates
2: to inflation. As I visit with people in Wyoming, my constituents are saying every month prices are going up for houses, for rental cars, for hotels, for food, and it is uh, reminiscent of the early 1980s, late 1970s, which were a very scary time for our economy and the people who are trying to make a living and make our economy grow.
1: Lummis says she expects a final vote on the infrastructure package, which includes spending on roads, bridges, trains, electric vehicles, and more later this week. The Cowboy State currently faces at least hundreds of millions of dollars of capital construction needs, according to the nonprofit publication WIO file.
0: The Wyoming Outdoor Council held a virtual meeting Wednesday to discuss what's happening at the Wyoming state legislature during the summer interim period. Lawmakers aren't technically in session or making major decisions, but committees are still meeting regularly to lay the groundwork for future bills. Program Director for the Outdoor Council, Kristen Gunther, says now is a good time for activists to make their elected officials aware of issues around Wyoming while they have the time to stop, listen, and write stronger legislation.
6: It's actually a really important time um, for us as lobbyists and also for the public to be able to participate in some of these conversations, because theoretically speaking, at least, it's a time for more consideration, more
0: deliberation. The committees aren't as rushed into needing to you know, get back to the floor for a vote really quickly. Conservationists around the Cowboy State are paying attention to several issues right now that are slated to be addressed during next year's session, from the influx of tourists to public lands to tribal relations.
1: A fundraising effort supporting the emotional and social health of Jackson Hole's kids is still accepting donations from the public through this week. Champions for Children helps fund programs at the Jackson Hole Children's Museum, Teton Literacy Center, and Children's Learning Center, which cater to about 88% of children countywide, according to Patty Boyd. Boyd is executive director of the Children's Learning Center and says this past year has been tough on Jackson Hole's youngest citizens.
2: The kids are are behind where they would normally be this time of year because of so many absences and, um, and so many... Children who individually could not come to school because of uh, uh, family illness, um, but we also saw the kids playing things like um, first responder and doctor
4: and all that in their free play. So we know that it's been on the mind and in their family conversation.
1: Like many of the Valley's human services organizations, the Children's Learning Center faces funding challenges and tired staff members. Resources from the community keep scholarship programs, reading hours, daycares, and more going. And Boyd says that can be critical for the development of Jackson Hole's young people.
0: That's it for today on Jackson Unpacked. Original music for the show is by the local band and our friends at Strum Bucket. Subscribe now to Jackson Unpacked on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please remember to leave a rating for the show in Apple Podcasts in order to help us spread the word. I'm Kyle Mackey, and this is KJOL Jackson.